This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. Welcome to the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns right here on radio.com. We have reached another Wednesday. We are nearing the midpoint of the NFL season, and I am here once again with my main man, Brian Baldinger. I am Jason Lockenfora. At Jason Lockenfor on Twitter. You can figure it out. It's not that hard. I promise. Baldy is on Twitter at Baldy NFL. You can check us out uh, here every week on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review us as well and, and give us your feedback. Um, and and Baldy, another wild week of, of NFL action. Um, we're starting, I think, to see even a little more separation from the halves and the have-nots, uh, and we've got another huge week that we'll preview as well as we go through um, the podcast. Uh, I just thought maybe we'd start, though, a little bit at this inflection point where for so long it's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady against the world, and, and nothing lasts forever, and 20 years in this league is like uh, 150 years. Uh, it's a but, century. It's it, a right. Century. It's that. That's like they, they're there. Yeah, that's life, death, uh, eternity, the whole nine yards. Uh, but Baldy, you look at the direction of these franchises right now, yeah. and 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 it couldn't be more stark. The differences really across the board. And you know the divorce that happened between Belichick and Brady. I mean, it's being talked about, and rightfully so. You know, which one needed the other more? And I was in Foxborough on Sunday against the 49ers, and that was a that was the worst performance by a Bill Belichick team that I can ever recall, ever. And so that's 20 years. Uh, and that might even go back all the way to before his couple of years in Cleveland. And then you watch Tom Brady literally throw the ball 45 times to just, I, I call it the Arians aerial assault, the AAA offense. And to just a bounty of weapons. Miller. Woo. Scotty Miller. I mean, do they need Antonio Brown? We'll get into it. But, you know, Tom Brady dropped back 45 times. And I, I was just joking this week. Giselle doesn't do laundry. She doesn't need to. His, his uniform didn't hit the ground. Jason, he can wear the same uniform this weekend. You know, I mean, it was it was a magnificent performance. And then, you, you know, in every uh, War of the Roses, that occurs, there's usually a winner and there's a loser. And the Patriots are at rock bottom because Cam's performance at quarterback, it was one of the worst of the week and one of the worst of his career. And if that's where they're at, Jared Stidham, Cam Newton, they're at rock bottom because if you don't have that guy that they always had, 
even when they didn't have good weapons last year and some other years where there just didn't look like there was a lot there, you at least had Brady trying to make sense of it all and, and, and give you a chance. Like, they don't have a chance. That's one of the worst rosters in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, Bill Belichick, the GM for years, has been neglecting that offense, right? We've seen a proliferation of twitched up, jacked up uh, track stars who are built like linebackers at that position. And and he wades into those waters once, and it's in Keel Harry, who's he, he's not as twitchy as Edelman. And he's 10 years younger than him. And Edelman's not Edelman anymore. And I, Baldy, I think they have 100 yards receiving out of their tight ends for the season. Yeah, no, they, like, they, they, it's they untenable. They started. They, they activated a rookie. In fact, I was talking to Jim Nance. He was doing the game with Tony Romo, and we were just. I was looking at Jim Nance's chart, you know, and he's, and he's like, we, he looked at his tight ends there, you know, and he's like, well, there's nothing there. And then you looked at the receivers: Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, Jacoby Myers. There's not much there, you know, and and you go, okay, where is where's their hundred and $50 million of cap money being spent. You know, I mean, it's just the, the roster is just incomplete. And then the one thing that you always thought you could count on was just a secondary that could lock you down. And now they're making mistakes and errors on the back end and just giving up touchdowns. And watch, you know, like, like there's nothing against the running backs and the names of the running backs in San Francisco, but they had 17 runs of five yards or more. I mean, they, they completely cut them up all day long. And so it is, uh, and you know, to see how Brady is just flourishing right now in this system and he's smiling and he's sending out, you know, TikTok messages on, on the field. And like, it's just like, it's like, he's like a kid again. Like this is what he wanted though. He wanted just like fresh air, you know, and, and that's what he's getting literally. Um, before we give, I, I want to explore more of the bucks with you, but, but, before we put a bow on the Patriots a year ago at this time, Baldy, they traded two for Muhammad Sanu, who unfortunately for them is like the rest of their receivers. Can't really separate. It's not really going to high point the ball. He's a glorified tight end. Um, move the chains a little bit on third and short. Uh, they have oodles of cap room next year. Baldy, they don't have anybody on their payroll next year, making more than $8 million. Um, and they've been averse to really drafting, move tight ends and receivers recently, Adam Thielen, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Brashad Perryman, Chris Herndon. Like these are just some Darren Fells. These are just some of the names that are percolating on the trade market as we near next Tuesday and the deadline. Um, I'm of the opinion if they don't do something, it's almost like waving the white flag because what they have from within, while they keep shuffling an offensive line on the fly, is not going to be good enough. If 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 you were advising them, would you say, um, if you want to if you want to win that division and it's still kind of there, you need to add speed to your offense. You need to do something by Tuesday. Yeah, I I, I think you do. I, I there's nothing there. I mean, they they don't have enough there in order to really even compete in a very average and below average AFC East. Um, and you can win that division. I mean, Buffalo has come way back to earth the way that they're playing right now. We'll see how Miami plays against the Rams and what Tua does. Nobody knows. I mean, you you would hope that he could look anything like Justin Herbert. If he looks anything like Justin Herbert and what he's doing with the Chargers, because 
you talk about the city of angels and I want to get off the topic of Lakers and Dodgers, but that kid, I mean, when you get, and, and this ties into the Patriots though, Jason, if you, when you have that guy, I mean, you can breathe, like you've got life. That guy, that offense was dreadful. No offense to Terod Taylor. It was, it was looking dreadful. That guy, that is a fun team to watch right now. And it's excitement. And look, Jalen Guyton and Virgil Green, guys that are just got are, you know, catching, you know, Parham and these guys that nobody even knows are catching touchdowns from this guy right now. He makes everybody eligible for a touchdown. And when he's not scoring one himself. So like so I'm just going if if Tua can be anything like Justin Herbert, nobody knows until he plays. I mean, they're gonna probably win the division if he is. Yeah, I, I'll be very interested to see if Belichick, who let's face it, he's defensive at his core. He's a Parcells disciple. He pretty much always has told Brady and Josh McDaniels, their coordinator, do do more with less. I, I wonder if he finally realizes how far that. Yeah, I mean, if you go back, you remember when they when they released Wes Welker, and people were like, "Are you kidding? Like he just had five straight years of a hundred catches. He's the ultimate slot receiver." Now Edelman became that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, he, it wasn't that he was wrong, but I mean, that was always the offense that went through their slot receivers for, you know, the better part of a decade and between those two players and to see Edelman not even involved in the offense. I mean, he had a catch last, he's got three catches in the last two weeks. Like, I think he could still play at the level that we're used to seeing him, but they don't have anybody that can get him the ball. Well, as we talk about, and we'll we'll keep going back to this dichotomy, as we're talking about uh, the Patriots and what could they do, what must they do, Tom gets his way in, in Tampa Bay. And um, at the very moment when Gronk, to me, is starting to look like a guy who's playing himself back into shape and is, is at least becoming a part of that offense, now A.B. goes into the mix. Um, not this week. He's still suspended this week, but for week nine, um, Mike Evans, you know, hasn't been moving that well. He's missed a lot of time. Um, so, you you know, I get it uh, from a football standpoint, from the inner human relations standpoint, from the can he stay out of trouble standpoint, from the will he show up for COVID testing standpoint, from the will he abide by all these protocols that are unlike anything he's ever experienced before. Um, a lot of my buddies with the Steelers say, ha, good bleeping luck with that. Where are you well, on this, Baldy? Uh, I had heard, now I, I don't have this confirmed, Jason, this is your, your wheelhouse, but I had heard that Brady sent AB to the Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins had sessions with Antonio Brown. Now I've, I've seen Tony Robbins speak and he's a motivational whiz and all that kind of stuff. Now I don't know if that changes Antonio Brown. I don't know if the stripes are the same. I, I know that he, Antonio Brown has to know this is it. This is the final stop on whatever um, whatever ability to rehabilitate himself is. This is it. If he can't make it work, and Bruce Arians, you know he will have zero patience. The first time that he is either late to a meeting, has an off-the-field issue, um, shows up his teammates, and it does anything, Aaron's like, that's it. Like, I, you know, I've been through this before with them. It, it, was, it seems like it's against his – uh, desire, much more, like you said, Tampa Bay. So uh, he deflected all the questions about it the other day. Um, there's zero uh, rope here for Antonio Brown. So, but 
you know, when you watch him, I, I mean, I know Godwin got hurt and he's in out of the lineup and Evans has been battling. And I know that, but yeah, you watch Scotty Miller and Gronk and OG Howard when he comes back. Like, do they need him? That's what I was saying to myself when I watched him play this weekend. Do they really? And just carved up the Raiders. And so, but because I think you could have too many weapons. I, I don't think you need six or seven. I think you need three. You know, I mean, it's like the NBA. Like, you just give me three really good players and a, give me a bunch of role players and we'll go win. And I think that's what you need. But if he comes in there and just practices hard and makes Carlton Davis better every day and Jamel Dean better every day in practice and he takes the fire that he has had, then I think it could be a positive. Yeah, I reported Sunday on the NFL Today that I'm being told that he's going to be living with Tom Brady for at least some portion of time. <laughs> yeah. um, and that may end up being the whole season because I think if it's working, Tom's going to keep him, Tom's going to keep him in the basement. Uh, if they're driving to work every day, if they're coming and they're driving him to work every day and they're talking football every day and they're like, you know, they're making TikTok videos together and like they're like, like twins, you know, like they're like literally become twins. Like it'll be, It'll be like another Brady phenomena story that we'll do. Yeah, un unbelievable. Before we get off the Bucks, and I know we spent a lot of time on them, but I, I, I'm with you. I think it's one of the more fascinating uh, stories in the league. Uh, that defense, yeah, really freaking well, good. I watched their linebackers run around. Devin White, Levante, David, my own. I don't know who else has a, a group, you know, a duo quite like that. Nobody, nobody does, and. You know, they're, they're number one in a lot of different categories. They made a nice trade when they lost um, Vita Vea. They made a nice trade to go get themselves Steve McClendon. He's not Vita Vea, but they're, they're still stout in the middle. And Devin White, is he's the quarterback of the defense. Um, you know, he was 245 pounds coming out of LSU and ran 4-4. I mean, this guy, speed. And when your middle linebacker is fast, like 4-4 fast, it makes your whole defense look fast. And, you know, to see the three sacks and see him just chase everything down. And just a warning out there to anybody that's listening and to any quarterbacks that might get wind of this. If you see number 45 coming at you from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, must uh, Devin White, get down. Don't take the hit because you might not get up. I mean, he's just that vicious. And they're, they're, they're fun. They fly around. And as good as the offense was on Sunday, the defense just shut the Raiders down um, in the second half of that game. Yeah, that there was there was and, and Derek Carr, I thought, was kind of matching Brady blow for blow in the first half. But then it was a, a totally different story. And another great quarterback matchup um, from the previous week, uh, week seven, Baldy. We had a, a primetime affair that wasn't scheduled for primetime, but lived up to the billing. When Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson got together, um, I, I guess Russ was kind of due for a, a little bit of a stinker. Nobody's perfect all the time. And, and you know, the, the, the interceptions there, a couple of decisions he'd want back, uh, to me, really were the difference of the game. But uh, Kyler Murray, um, his speed, his athleticism in the second half was the difference in the game. It is. And it will be. And that that it, it the, those two teams, when they play each other over the next five years or longer, when it's Kyler and Russell, whoever gets the ball last is, is probably going to be the winner in some of these games. 
Um, Arizona's got a ton of playmakers on the defensive side. They've been drafting these guys, Buda Baker, and now you see Hassan Reddick playing in a position where that's what he was at Temple on the outside. And, you know, whether it's Patrick Peterson or, you know, I mean, you, you go Byron Murphy, you look at these guys and that play by Buda Baker, you know, picking Russell Wilson in the end zone like that. I mean, this guy is just, a, he just changes the game. He's such a great kid. And, you know, they're playing really good defense. They, they have great playmakers. And the, the one thing about that game, it because it, I saw it all weekend and I've seen it all year, Jason, it used to be two-minute drills that everybody practiced. And we called it a two-minute drill. And everybody knew what a two-minute drill was at, at the end of the half or the end of the game. It's no longer a two-minute drill. It's it's a minute. That's all these guys need. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I saw uh, Matt Stafford do it against the Falcons. They, these guys need a minute to go down the field right now. And it could be 75, 80 yards. It doesn't matter. I've seen Russell Wilson do, go 94 yards for the game winner in a little over a minute this year. And so these guys are just – they've taken that drill and they've perfected it. Um, and you see it week in, week out. But th- – that Kyler Murray, I mean, good luck trying to chase that guy for four quarters. Um, you know, I mean, he's not perfect, but man, I want him running my offense. I, I'll take, I'll take whatever foibles he has, or whatever weaknesses people thinks he has. Give me that fire. Uh, give me that uh, that ability just to pull the ball down and just take off at any time. He never looks tired, even though he's running all game. It's like Michael Jordan on the on the football field. He never looks tired. And he could just go all day. Well, speaking of one-minute drills, Baldy, uh, we had a, we had another scenario like that in the Browns-Bengals game. Joe Joe Burrow um, continues to just absolutely um, wow me. I mean, the threaded touchdown to Boyd at the end of the half, the big run on what was the go-ahead scoring drive, the touchdown pass on the go-ahead scoring drive late in the fourth quarter, but. Here comes Baker Mayfield, who had a poor start, but then got going with five touchdown passes, the last of which was at the end of the game in what was basically a one-minute drill to win that thing. Um, a fun game to watch, and and we'll have to see now if this is a springboard for Baker because he his first throw of the game was, was a pick. Second straight week, he'd done that. He was looking like a guy who, when you keep him in the pocket and you throw some zone at him, he struggles. Um, he bounced back, but that Bengals defense is a homecoming game for a lot of teams, Baldy. So I, I'm still kind of not sure what to make, you know, of 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 Baker just yet. Well, he missed his first five throws with the interception, but then he completed 22 in a row. I mean, I mean, it was every single throw, and a couple of them were like to Rashad Higgins, who he it looks like he just that's lost. his guy. They, yeah, they they lose Odell Beckham on the on the interception. For the year, but then you get this Donovan People Jones that came out of Michigan, who was like this athletic freak coming out of there, and nobody really, you know, Michigan didn't they didn't have a quarterback that could throw a football. So uh, all of a sudden, he just explodes and he catches a touchdown from Baker. Baker looked he looked fantastic. I mean, he really did. The, Stefanski's doing a pretty good job of kind of wheeling him in and not letting him just run around and. You know, try to like make every throw in the ball. Like it's it's pretty good um, with the runs that they do and the offensive line, the way they protected. It was a good battle, a really good battle. Um, it, as every bit as entertaining as what we saw Sunday night between yeah. Arizona and Seattle. And for 
for that division with Baltimore and Pittsburgh, you know, on a collision course this weekend in Baltimore, uh, it's just great to see that you got quarterbacks now that really can ignite an offense. And now it's a question of can you get the pieces around these guys defensively, um, protect them, you know, better? Because Joe Burrow's been sacked 28 times. He's been hit 100. But literally nothing affects that guy. He's unbelievable. Everything you saw at LSU last year, everything is on display right now. Like his poise, his confidence, like that throw to Tyler Boyd over the middle of the field after Miles Garrett just ruined his record. I thought it was going to be a strip stack, Baldy. I'm surprised he held onto the ball on that play. Like Exactly, exactly. I mean, you – I mean, Miles Garrett is like, – he's just a freight train, right? Nobody can stop him. And he takes that hit from Miles Garrett and gets up the next play, dusts himself off, and throws that stick throw to Tyler Boyd in the middle of the field with about three guys hanging all over him. It, it shows you a lot about what he's made of. They, they, they just need better coaches and better players in my mind. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, I hope they don't screw it up because that kid was uh, was quite a gift to the – the city of Cincinnati. Well, staying in that division, um, weird one with the Steelers and the Titans. I mean, it's 24-7. Pittsburgh is doing anything it really wants on offense or defense. I mean, they opened the game, 16 plays, 75 yards, 9 minutes, 18 seconds. Um, Another long-scoring drive after that. Connor's got it going. And then... You know, they're, they're, they, I don't know why they kind of want to throw deep and that's not who they are. And then they get picked and then there's another turnover and then a a breakdown, you know, on a, on a pass that ends up going for a 73 yard touchdown to Brown. And next thing you know, it's coming down to Goskowski and whether or not he can make a field goal to send it into overtime. To me, that's kind of been the Steelers, Baldy. Like I watch them every week and I look at that roster and they're getting results, but like, Jeff Driscoll gave him a game. You know what I mean? Like Daniel Jones gave him a game. Like I, I, I they just ha- haven't quite been able to put it all together. Mm, well, they, they got to, you got to finish better. I mean, the interceptions were terrible by Ben. I mean, he's, he, he's better than that. And he's got to play better than that. But you know, this Tennessee team is just resilient. And you know, anybody that wants to say, Oh, Ryan Tannehill can't do it without running game. It's just nonsense. Like it's just, not, they're not watching. They're not really watching. That guy is poised. He is a fiery competitor, although, you know, he doesn't say much. Um, he's a phenomenal athlete. He gives him a chance. He just flat – I mean, he's got backup tackles out there playing against the best front in football, and he's getting hit and sacked and, and all that, and he just keeps firing. And so A.J. Brown is almost unstoppable, uh, you know, as a receiver right now. And so it was a good game. It was a great finish, just a great finish. Entertaining game. Pittsburgh stays undefeated. They find a way. <clears throat> but the defense, though, I mean, they just play a, a they they play a brand of football that not many teams know how to play. Just how to be physical and how to, I mean, they had a plan to stop Derrick Henry and slow him down and taking Bud Dupree and putting him in the middle and letting him just crash the party. I mean, that, you know, it was just good game planning uh, and trying to slow him down, which they did. And so I just thought it was good coaching. It was, it was uh, you know, another team that you have to take serious in this AFC and Tennessee and over the course of a season, they're not going to go away. They're going to be really difficult to, to really handle and they're going to be playing in January. So look, Pittsburgh, you know, gets a win and it sets up a phenomenal matchup this weekend against Baltimore. 
It, it does. Before we get there, I wanted to pick your brain about a couple of things that I kind of noted in, in that Steelers game to see if it, if, if it jibes with you. We talked last week about the Devin Bush injury and Spillane and not knowing what he is. Like, he's going to be a, a, a heart and soul guy. I, I know they think he's smart enough to play the position. He's He can't possibly be the athlete that Devin Bush is. I was surprised that Arthur Smith, that you weren't trying to run it through John o. Smith, that you weren't trying to maybe get um, y- your air back out into space more to kind of a- attack him and figure out what he was. Did, did that surprise you at all? Like, I kind of thought all right, let's see if he can run with a tight end. Let's see if he can cover. Let's see what he can do out in space on a wheel route against our running backs. And that that that's not really how they attack them. No, but at the same time, you know, he, he's not really on the field that much. Vince Williams was really the one linebacker that was on the field most of the day. And so, you know, you have to, if you're trying to attack him, you're like, okay, when's he on the field? And how, you know, how, how many plays is he playing? And can you get him isolated? I mean, I didn't really see him out there that much. Then he got he got splattered on the goal line when he, when he hit Derrick Henry, and they kind of lost him for a while, you know. So uh, I didn't think there was a lot of opportunities to really do that to him. And then they seemed to be very intent on what looked like to me run blitzing and getting those ends and those linebackers with a head of speed towards the – towards the point of attack before that ball was even snapped. Is that something that other people can duplicate or they have different, I know they have different sort of athletes and different sort of, you know, their schemes a little different, but it did hold Henry down for most of the game. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, they just wanted to to get to Derrick Henry before he got to them, you know? And so, I mean, they did, they, they, they blitzed off the edge, you know, whether it was Terrell Edmonds or, you know, they had somebody coming off the edge um, or they had TJ or, or Bud Dupree, like just crashing hard. And so that he had to kind of stop his feet. And once they got that, then they just gang tackled him. They didn't want him to get it going. So, I mean, a lot of people have had that. Um, but, you know, when you do that, you are susceptible to, you know, some play action passes and some other things um, when they're sending secondary players at there where you're going to be a man short, you know, in the back end. And, a lot of teams really can't take advantage of that. And so that's something that other teams will look at because everybody sort of knows that that's a good plan. They just don't know how to execute it. The Steelers just have those players that can do it. Well, Baltimore Ravens have a lot of players on defense who can do a lot of things. Uh, one thing they didn't have was uh, maybe a natural pass rusher. I mean, Judon does it, but I, Judon also plays the run. I mean, Judon's not a guy who's going to have an array of moves coming off the edge or or or, or, or have you. And, and you know what? Yannick Ngakwe probably isn't either, but Yannick Ngakwe has found a way to get to the quarterback, to pick up, you know, to pick up the garbage, whether it's a coverage sack, to be in the right place at the right time, to affect the football when he gets there. Um, and the Ravens end up getting Yannick Ngakwe for a third and a five they were willing to give up a two for him at the beginning of the year. Uh, they couldn't fit him under the cap, as I reported at the time, because of some issues with Earl Thomas and his release. So, Baldy, it's not bad. You let the you let you you, you let Minnesota pay him six million dollars to get him into shape, to get him going for you, and then you pick him up for five million at the middle of the season when he's ready to go. So, the Ravens have lost uh, two games here like in, in well over a year, right? They, they lose to Tennessee in the playoffs. They lose to the Chiefs. And, you know, they fell behind in both games. And 
they blitz more than any other team in the league right now. They're, they're blitzing a lot of bad teams that they have played that have been on the schedule. You can't do anything about that. Um, they're blitzing 47% of the time right now. And it's the most – and, look, Wink Martindale is very creative. I mean, if you look at the guys that have sacks for him, you know, Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark and Marlon Humphrey. I mean, they, they blitz secondary players like nobody else. And part of you says, is that really the scheme? Is that what they want to do? Would they rather, if they're playing Patrick Mahomes, just rush four and have somebody win a one-on-one and drop seven and just be able to take – McCall Hardman or Tyree Kill or Travis Henry or whatever, like uh, Travis Kelsey, like out of the out of the picture a little bit better than they have. Um, even if you go back to the first touchdown in the playoff loss to Tennessee, it's third and twelve, and Ryan Tannehill against a five man pressure throws the ball to Janu Smith for the opening touchdown, and it's good coverage. Um, but I, I kind of get the feeling that just maybe we could line up with four, and one of our guys can win a one on one like you mentioned. And we won't have to blitz 47% of the time. And I think that's part of it. And then part of it, this deal is, is it's all about loading up. It's the arms race getting ready for January. They're going to be there in January. You want to win as many games you can to get home field for sure. But it's about what you might see in January, the Chiefs, the Titans. You know, you go through the, the list of teams right now, you know, and you just get the best possible team. Like they picked up Marcus Peters around this time last year. You know, and it was a it was a great addition. Their defense got better the day Marcus Peters showed up. Um, I think they played Seattle in the first game. He had a pick six against Russell Wilson. So I think that's what this is about. And, you know, Yannick Ngakwe in four-plus years now, Jason, has 42 and a half sacks and 17 forced fumbles. He had five – he had sacks in five straight games for Minnesota. You know, I mean, he's going to get to the quarterback. And the thing, the thing about him, I think you probably know him pretty good too coming out of Maryland, is – He's a great kid. He's a hard worker. And he really doesn't say too much. And so I, I think he has a chance to play like a Raven and to be a Raven and to fit into that culture like immediately. And man, if you're Ben in, if you've been in Jacksonville and you, all you want to do is get out. And then you've been in Minnesota where it's just, it, you know, it's just been awful. Like to come to Baltimore, to come to a place that they have a chance for a championship. I mean, this guy, it's its like Christmas in October for him right now. Well, and the interesting thing, too, is he's, he's played with Calais Campbell for a long time in Jacksonville. So the, the stunts, the twists, the, hey, I give you this look, you do this, I do that, that's baked into the cake. No no question. Like, there will be familiarity, and he'll have a good friend right there inside that locker room. But it won't take him long to fit in. He's coming back home for the most part. So I, I think it's a great fit. It was a great deal. And I think he's going to help him out. Um, you know, and it, the thing is, if you watch his 42 and a half sacks, a lot of them are just effort. Like he's, he's a relentless player. And so, you know, th- that, that's a good quality. If somebody is, is flushing a quarterback and he gets to run and chase after him, like he's going to be that guy that's going to give you the effort on the other side of the field. Well, there's a few other big week eight matchups that we're going to get to in a minute, but before we turn the page on week seven, Baldy. Um, I, I know that you've watched a lot of Cowboys tape this week, unfortunately. Um, I hope you have had time to clean the vomit off your shoes because uh, I know the effect that that could have on somebody who appreciates the game as much as you do. I, I, I called them on Sunday just an abject football failure. I, I don't know really how else to term it. That, that, that is a hopeless situation to me. 
hopeless doesn't even describe it. I mean, look, Antonio Gibson came out of Memphis. He's a draft. He ran for 128 yards. I, I mean, I honestly thought it was John Riggins. The way I, I mean, I thought it was John Riggins reincarnated. I mean, on the eighth play of the game, he goes for 40 yards. Um, you know, right down the alley. I and and really, there's so many fundamental flaws just on that one play. Forget it. I mean, there was breakdowns all over the field all game long, but just on that one play, I mean, just the basics of how to play football. Like they don't know how to do it, and then they've got players, and I don't want to call out anybody's name. They got players that are do not belong in the NFL playing defense for them. I mean, they, they, there's no place for how they played in that game against. A poor Washington team, a poor Washington offensive team. Defensively, they're pretty good. But offensive team, like, they have no business being on the football field. And they're out there. And that, that goes to, uh, you know, personnel and people picking personnel and how they got to this spot. But you can tell that there is just abject failure everywhere, like what defense they're in, because Five guys are playing one defense and six guys are playing another defense. That happens all the time to this team. They leave guys just wide open. Um, you know, Terry, Mc <clears throat> Terry McLaren is a great player, but he just runs right by the right corner for a touchdown. Like the corner doesn't know that there isn't a safety behind him. Like they just don't. And then offensively, uh, you know, look, when, when Bostic hits Andy Dalton and not one player, like, I mean, it was a terrible – it was a hit that you have to be thrown out of the game for. You have to be suspended. I mean, there's just no place for that hit in football anymore. I, I don't care what era you played the game in. There's just no place for that that hit. And to see nobody do anything about it on the team, they just stand there almost – But it, it sort of defines the whole team. They're in one collective deep malaise. The coaches, the players, the pulse, it's just a malaise that covers the entire franchise right now. Yeah, and, and as bad as that division is, they're going nowhere. Like this idea that, like, well, we're still in it. No, you're 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 really not. The Eagles are going to run away with that thing when they get even a little bit healthy. Um, yeah, I think well, it's I mean, already it, it a lost. Starts this, it starts this week, yeah. you know, with Philadelphia, and you know, look, <clears throat> I mean, they're playing a seventh round pick at quarterback, maybe from mm -hmm. James Madison University, Danucci, and. Like, that's where they're at, but it doesn't matter who's at quarterback right now because it didn't matter when Dak was there. It was the same thing. Every team that plays against them right now, I mean, they're going to set records for just, you know, rushing yards and yes. defensive breakdowns. And so, you know, there's not a legitimate starter on the offensive line, maybe Connor Williams. I mean, it's just all backups. I mean, it's just – you can have – you know, it goes back to, okay, well – all that conversation, C.D. Lamb and, right. you know, Amari Cooper. And, I mean, it doesn't matter. You don't have an offensive line or a defensive line. What good is that stuff? It's dependent on the other positions. Yep. So there you go. <clears throat> well, Baldy, we, we touched on Ravens-Steelers. The other uh, interdivision game that could have some, some serious ramifications, 49ers, Seahawks, you talked about it earlier in the show. Does it next man up at, at running back for the 49ers? It doesn't seem to matter, that outside zone scheme. And the way they they, they block it up um, is just absolutely gutting people. Three weeks ago, I thought Seattle at least could stop the run on defense. Now I'm not even so sure about that. They don't have any pass rushers. John Schneider, you better do something by next Tuesday. Um, do you have a strong feeling about this game? Well, I'll say this. Uh, man, 
Kyle Shanahan is just – it means more than just an offensive coordinator. He's just a great coach. I mean, sometimes you just have to pull your quarterback out of a funk like he was in against Miami when you bench him. And you better – when you bench your quarterback, you better figure out a way to get him back to playing good football. And they have – the offensive line have woke up. They played a great game against the Patriots. It's who I thought they were, even with the backup center uh, in Aranis Grasso going in there and played really well against New England. Um, Jeffrey Wilson got hurt in the game. I don't know what his status is for this week. If he can't go, they might be down to J. Michael Hasty. That just looks like one of those backs in a long line of Shanahan backs, going back to Mike Shanahan, yeah. that you can plug and play, and he's going to give you really good results. I mean, he's averaging over five yards a carry. I watched him for four years at Baylor doing Big 12 games. I, he can play. He flat out can play. <clears throat> but they don't have – I don't know what the status right now of, of Mostert is. Or Yeah, it won't be, he won't be back this week, yeah. Yeah, well, Jet McKinnon, they seem reluctant to put him in the game yeah. for whatever reason. So it might be – but maybe it doesn't matter the way that they can run the football, control the clock, the way that they they run their, their, their wide receiver sweep motions and – give the ball to Debo and to Brandon Ayuk. I, the way that they're tight ends and fullback block in concert, I mean, it is it is a concert. It, it is a run game concert. I think Seattle's going to have a lot of problems trying to solve. And so then it just becomes, you know, how much defense do the 49ers have against Russell Wilson? So just like the, you know, the NFC champion, well, the NFC divisional game, it may be, come down to who has the ball last. Yeah. And can you stop them right now? I mean, I, I, I think this game is going to be high scoring and a lot of offense. And I expect Russell Wilson to bounce back from his performance on Sunday night. Yes. And so I think it's going to be a great game with a lot of offense. One other game I wanted to cover before we wrap it up for the week, because it could end up being a tiebreaker between who gets in the playoffs or who doesn't, or, or at least perhaps for seeding Browns and Raiders. Um, both teams who are showing strides this year, for sure. Um, but both teams that that I think still have a, a ways to go when you talk about competing with the likes of a Baltimore or a, or a Pittsburgh or a Kansas City or a Tennessee week in, week out in January. Um, the Raiders' defense, I, I watch these games, Baldy, and I feel like they're showing me something for a period of time. And then I go back and look at the game book, and it's like, but damn, they still gave up another 30-plus points. You know what I mean? And wow when they needed that play too often, it wasn't there. Uh, what do you think of this one? Well, I'm going to be in Cleveland announcing this game on Sunday. I mean, the Raiders, if you talk about the Raiders defense, they have three takeaways in, you know, in seven games, they're in six games right now. So, I mean, they, they don't do anything on defense. I mean, Max Crosby is the closest thing to a good pass rusher they have, but Tristan Wirfs locked them up the other day. Uh, he didn't get near Tom Brady. Um, I kind of expect uh, Cleveland's offensive tackles to be able to block up for Baker in this game. Um, you know, they, they don't do anything on defense to, to, to affect the game. And so then it becomes just like their win against Kansas City. Can they outscore you? Can they put up 30 or 40 in the case against Kansas City? And that's what it comes down to right now. And I don't know that the Raiders – I mean, Trent Brown didn't uh, play last week, and yeah. he's a difference maker up front for him. But they just 
I mean, I, I think Cleveland has this game right now. I think Baker's first start was against the Raiders, and it was a shootout game two years ago out there when they were playing in Oakland. And I, I kind of feel like the Browns defensively, I mean, I, you'll, you'll find out a lot with what Miles Garrett is doing right now, how he can change the game. We'll, we'll see how they block him up. Um, but I like I like Cleveland in this game, and I just don't think the Raiders do anything on defense right now. I mean, I, they, they, they keep changing all their personnel, but three turnovers, three takeaways in six games is is woeful right now. No, that's that's not going to get it done. And and we'll see about the back end of the Browns um, defense as well. You know, I, I'm not loving their linebackers right now or really their safeties. I, I bet we see a whole lot of Darren Waller in this one early to see if they can figure out who on the other side has an answer for him. Yeah, it could be a fun game to watch. I hope you get a good one there, Baldy. Um, we'll, I'll definitely be watching from, from my basement. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Well, this has been another edition of Baldy's Breakdowns right here at Radio.com. We will be back next Wednesday to review Week 8, spin things ahead towards Week 9. As always, you can find Baldy on Twitter at BaldyNFL. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Jason Lockenfora. And please, when you download these on Spotify, iTunes, whatever, rate, review, let us know what you guys think. We hope you're enjoying this as much as we are, and we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.